WRC Plane Labs Halloween episode. You know how to get a hold of us. Now here are your hosts, Ron and Tom. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to the RC Plane Lab podcast Halloween episode. I'm Ron. And I'm Tom. Today we're going to be talking about scary RC airplane stories. I'll tell you what's scary is that intro. <laughs> <laughs> what's scary is how well my wife does the witch cackle. <laughs> I tell you what, that's uh, yeah, she's not down here. It's okay. Oh dear, she doesn't You're listen. Hear about that she doesn't later. listen. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this is a weird episode because we have an audience. We do. And it makes me uncomfortable. It does. Your wife is sitting in the background laughing at us the whole time we're doing this. Yeah. And yeah. I'm used to her laughing at me, so it's nothing new to me. <laughs> I'm new to it. She's taking pictures and yeah, there we go. So, Halloween. Halloween. I love Halloween. I, yeah, I like Halloween too. It's one of my favorite holidays of the year. Yeah. I, I like Halloween too. There's no pressure. Right. <laughs> you don't have to entertain anybody. You don't have to cook dinner for anybody. You don't have to like put up with weird relatives that you, that smell funny. <laughs> yeah. I like Halloween. Yeah. Halloween's the best. Yeah, so uh, and there's like, there's no pressure. You don't have to buy gifts for anyone. I mean, it's like really the, the best. You just, it's candy and scaring people. Right. I mean, how much better does it get than that? Yeah, it doesn't get much better. <laughs> Although I will say, you know, as a parent, you know, the kids are getting older. I used to really enjoy scaring them, you know, like hiding in the hallway. And, you know, when they come around a corner, you know, yell at them. I can't do that anymore. There's nobody at home to scare anymore. And Lori gets mad when I do it. Well, that makes it all the more fun. Well, <laughs> for you, maybe. Oh, well, absolutely. <laughs> I don't have to worry about a divorce. Oh, that doesn't keep me from doing it, though. <laughs> oh, so scary stories. Yeah, let's talk about some scary stuff. Yeah, we've got some scary stories to talk about. We've got some voicemails to play, yeah. and uh, let's yeah. just talk about the hobby and what uh, what's happened. Yeah, in the many years I've been in the hobby, I've seen some scary things. Uh, not like maybe ghosts, but certainly some airplanes doing things that uh, are scary. Well, I just thought of it. It seems like we have a haunted plane. We do. Yeah. And it's, and it's called the Trash Can Telemaster. It might end up back in the trash can it, if it doesn't it, fly after it, this next time. It may. It may. We still have yet to, to finish that. Well, and the problem Even is, though, you though say it's, done. it's finished. Like, I'm ready to take it out and fly it. <laughs> but every time that it's been time to go out and do it, it's been rainy. Or the wind. It's been windy. And it's just like, it's ready now, but it doesn't want to fly yet. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like lately, at least the past month anyway, when I've like had time to go fly, like you said, it's either been windy or rainy or I've just been like so exhausted. I just didn't have the energy to load up the car and go, <laughs> which is really sad because I do really enjoy flying. Well, at your age, I mean, I'm proud of you for actually doing what you do now. I mean, you're still pretty mobile. Yeah, I sort of set myself up. Yeah, then, so I? good job. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> so what what has scared you, Tom? What have you come across? Well, I thought about this week's episode um, all week and tried to come up with some stuff that I remember from my past that was scary. <laughs> and I did come up with a few things. I'll start with, uh, and these are in no particular order, like one's not more scary than the other, but just like kind of at a at a quick cursory run through of all the moments of my uh, career. These are the ones that stood out. So like 
I'll go back to college days. We're talking like 91, 1991, something like that. Yeah, I was 10. Great Plains had, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm old. I'm old. Respect your elders. I, you have to earn it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, somebody called in, left a message and told you specifically to respect your elders. So I'm going to expect you to. No, I think that got deleted. No, your you behavior. Can't, you can't, you can't, you can't prove that. Get off my lawn. All right. <laughs> So anyway, uh, back in 91-ish, uh, Great Plains produced a, uh, a kit, a balsa kit of a um, decathlon, which is a uh, Cetabria, kind of like a... Almost like a cub? Yeah, kind of like a really aerobatic cub, if you want to, yeah. a high wing, you know. But uh, they produced a kit, a 40-size kit, and I uh, built one in college. Probably should have been spending time doing college things like studying and homework and stuff like that. But no, I built airplanes in college. <laughs> Dork. Uh, yeah. That's okay. Uh, so anyway, I spent all the time building this thing, and I made it, you know, I, I covered it just like the box. It was a beautiful little red airplane, uh, red and white, and it had the white starburst on the top, you know, at the top of the wing, and really good-looking airplane. It had a Sato 50 four-stroke on it, which I believe this was my first four-stroke engine, too. So uh, that was kind of scary, just the fact that that was my first four-stroke. Took it out to fly it the first time and crashed it, which is not the scary part the scary part of it is that uh, this was my introduction to tip stalling and spins oh. from a tip stall. I'd never spun an airplane either intentionally or not before and, um, you know, not really knowing what to expect. And this airplane, I'm not sure why it tip stalled. Um, I mean, obviously I got it slow, but maybe the wing had a little bit of a warp in it. Maybe I had the incident or the uh, washout backwards. Who knows? Tip stalled right out in front of me and spun into the ground. I mean, I was probably maybe 20 feet off the ground, you know, doing kind of a low trim pass, if, you know, if you want to call it that. And uh, got it a little too slow and it tip stalled and scared me because I'd like, never had a, never seen a tip stall before. And then I don't know if you've ever tip stalled an airplane with a, you know, with a consequential spin. Um, yeah, you can't do really anything about it. <laughs> That sucks. So that was, yeah, that was, uh, and of course, re-kitted the airplane. Yeah. Um, even from that low altitude, it was toast. Um, yeah, that, that happens, unfortunately. Yeah, so Match I spent all that time and, you know, that's just something we sort of get accustomed to in the hobby. It happens, but when it happens the first time, it was pretty scary. Yeah, so, and I, we, we were talking beforehand, and I guess I haven't told this story before, but my first balsa plane, uh, my SIG Cavalier, the one that I bought... So actually the first time I flew that, um, like I really was not ready. Like you know, I had flown the Super Cub and I was comfortable with a three channel and all that kind of stuff, but I had never really done anything with a four channel before. And instead of going out to the field where you should go, you know, this is actually before I was even a member of that. Um, yeah. My neighbor at the time, you know, had Maybe convinced get some help me. Maybe experienced pilot. Maybe would have should have done that too, yeah. uh, but I didn't know any really right. at the time. Uh, so yeah, but anyway, so no, my my neighbor had had I don't want to say forced me, but uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Had kind of pushed me uh, into going out and flying this. Strongly encouraged. Yeah, there you go. And he told me he's like, I've got a perfect place to fly it. He said a friend of mine has a lot of just open land out in the country. He said there's nothing around for for like you know a thousand feet. So we get out there, and it's it's a decent area, I guess. There's a lot of open area, but there's a lot of hills. Oh. And so my first time flying 
a nitro airplane four channel. Oh, this is the first nitro. This is the first nitro. Not, not, only, not only your first balsa, but also your first nitro. First nitro, first balsa. This was uh, the Cavalier. Okay. Um, and oh, so right. you said that. taking off was fine because I went down the hill, but landing. <laughs> so landing was one of those you have one shot or else you're going to run into something, you're going to crash your plane, or you're going to hurt someone. So you tried to land on the hill. I did. Um, when I, you know, I flew around for a little bit and it was fun. And then it was like, all right, it's been a few minutes. I don't know how much fuel lasts. You know, I, I didn't know anything about time frame, how long you could fly those. And so I was expecting to be about the same time as you would get like with a, with a Super Cub. So I came into land and going, it's, it's weird when you're not used to it and you have to land, you know, you go down <laughs> and then you have to start following the hills to come and land and go uphill to land. <laughs> yeah. And knowing that if you overshoot it, you're either going to run into uh, the the um, the house that's oh. behind it, okay. or if you go the other way, you're going to hit the barn with the oh, with the, the cows in it. Um, Nothing like boxing yourself or, in. Or if you go the other way, you're going to hit yourself well, and the that, other people that yeah, are with you. And that's pretty scary. Um, or the trees that were kind of on each side. So we were kind of on the, the like the side of the field, and okay. it wasn't like. Everything in front of me was open, but where I was was not the, the best place to land. But I made it, I landed it, and then I turned around and did it again. You did it twice. I did. Because I was like, oh, I got this. So what's this. scary about that? Just the fact that you had the. Because I'd never done it before, and I was okay. like super like nervous. And like after I got it taken off, I, I don't think I thought about landing until after I took off, and I was like, Wait a oh, minute! Crap. I gotta land now. This is not going to be easy. Um, <laughs> but no, it worked out, and and I was quite happy with that. So yeah, that was a little scary flying a plane for the first time yeah. like that. Yeah, your first uh, nitro takeoff and landing is scary enough <laughs> when it's on a flat. When field. it's on a nice prepared, you know, club field, but to yeah. do that in a boxed in kind of a situation that you had there. Yeah, I can see how that'd be scary. But it all worked out pretty well. Yeah, well, it's, it's still... in one piece. Well, kind of. Oh, no, I don't have that plan anymore. Never mind. <laughs> Forget it. Move on. <laughs> right on. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, another uh, scary memory that came to mind was, uh, so I talked about in one of our very first episodes, uh, our neighbor, Mike, that had gotten me into the hobby. Yeah. A um, couple years later, after he got me into the hobby and we, you know, we were doing airplane stuff together, you know, whenever he had time, he nearly burned his house down with a soldering iron. With a soldering iron? Yeah. Oh, yeah. how do you and, do that? You know, to be honest, <clears throat> I'm not exactly sure, but I think he left it on uh, in close proximity <laughs> to something flammable and went to bed or got passed out. He, he drank a little bit. Oh. Um, but uh, yeah, he actually caught the house on fire and, uh, you know, it, got so hot that it, you know, the, my mom, my parents were concerned that the heat coming from the fire of his house oh, was like going to... Oh, actually burnt it down, burnt oh, yeah. it down. Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, not down, but it, it definitely um, nearly gutted the inside of that house. Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing. That's no, terrible. It's, yeah, it's... That's... Um, but yeah, he... Uh, um, the, sad, the sad end to that was, uh, you know, he was renting the house, he and his wife at the time. Oh. And uh, of course they weren't allowed to live there after they nearly burned it down. So he had to move away. Oh, so that's how you lost your first and that friend. that's how I lost my first RC plane friend. Yeah. Oh, that so, sucks. Which is, yeah, um, it's, it sucks, but it was also scary because fire is scary. Yeah. Have you ever forgot to turn off your soldering iron? Mm, I'm not going to say 
I'm not going to oh. say maybe, but I'm pretty sure I've been pretty good about turning my soldering iron I off. I am terrible about oh, it. jeez. Like, like, I will use it, and then I will come down, like, on the other side of the basement where I have it, like, three or four days later and be like, oh, that light's still, still on. on. Oh, my gosh. And it's still set to, like, 760 degrees. I Burning better turn that off. the tip. <laughs> Oh, that's hey, terrible. It happens. But yeah. Well, I mean, I, yeah. I, I do that a lot though. Even I though leave, I, I leave my charger on and that scares me. Like with lipos yeah, attached to it. I do and too. that's kind of scary. Yeah. Because lipos scare me anyway. Well, I, I still like with batteries and charging them. I've never had a problem except for, and it, it's scary to think about too, when we were talking about the little uh, one cell lipos for the, the quadcopters. Oh, yeah. Not being the same polarity. Yeah. Who would have thought Who, you couldn't yeah. use the same charger for different types of batteries? Yeah. So it's scary that that sort of uh, non-standardization exists. Yeah. That's scary. And that was um, that was probably the worst non-flying related thing that I've ever had happen. Mm. Like, I mean, that when you start to smell that smell and then you get oh, yeah. that, you know, it goes through your head like, Okay, that's oh not a good smell. What yep. is it? Where is it coming from? And then trying to find where it's coming from. Yeah, it's like instantly the, the instinct kicks in. And I got to find what's on fire. I got to find what's on fire. There's something on fire. Yeah. Yeah. And luckily I got and there because it was very hot. Oh, I mean, I'm like sure. I said, those were melting by the time I got there. So wow. yeah, that, that's pretty uh, scary. That's never good. No. Something else. I mean, you know, we've talked about the duelist stories. Well, my duelist story, it's really <laughs> just one story. It was a crash, but that was scary because <clears throat> it was, uh, same thing. You, you think, you think you've done everything correctly only to find out you move the stick in one direction and the airplane does something completely opposite. That's a scary feeling in the pit of your stomach. That is a scary feeling, but I feel like that's one that can be avoided. Well, I didn't say I couldn't avoid it. I'm just saying it was a scary moment. Yeah. Because, you know, like... You have an expectation when you move the stick a certain direction that the airplane is going to respond that, that direction. But yeah. when it does something completely the opposite, it's like an instant, like, ooh, you know, hair on the back of your neck or, or pit of the, you know, the feeling in the pit of your stomach. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. So that or, was a you know, duelist. Worse than that is when you're flying an airplane and then all of a sudden you have nothing. Well, that is very scary. So with the yak, I remember the time I was flying that, and that that was the worst time. The like, big yak. Okay. The big yak. Right, like yeah. the scariest thing I ever had flying was when I was out uh, practicing with that. So I was out, and I think I've told this story before, I don't remember. But anyway, just flying around normal. I mean, no no aerobatics, nothing like that. Kind of getting, getting used to it, because it was a new plane to me, and I still wasn't quite sure how it behaved. And got out and then started finally doing some loops and all that kind of stuff, and you know, a little faster rolls, using some more power through it as you pull some of the, the servos, you know, pulling more power through it. And then all of a sudden, as it's facing straight down, coming out of a loop, it just dies. Like, not dies, but I have nothing. Like, the engine's still running. You lose control. And it's going straight down. And, I mean, I about browned out my pants. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those things to where you just, you don't know what to do and you just panic. Yeah. Have you heard it here first, folks? <laughs> Brownouts don't always just occur in the receivers. Sometimes they happen in your pants. <laughs> no, that's, that's unfortunately a truth. <laughs> that's a scary visual. I'll give you that. <laughs> Thank goodness it's not uh, smell-o-vision, right? <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, but, uh, and you know, that was, like I said, very scary. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> very, very scary time. But at least, you know, I, I, it probably had a couple seconds until it would have crashed. Luckily, everything reset itself and I was able to bring it in and land. 
Oh, that was yeah. So what do you have to do to fix that? I I remember that happening. I uh, and you're talking about it. I ended up spending the three hundred dollars or whatever it was on the SmartFly EQ6. Yeah, and never had a problem again after that. No, right. Well, because it was pulling all the power through the receiver. Yeah, and as that was pulling too much power through the batteries and what it could take, it just you know low voltage and of course it's a gasoline engine, so it stays running. You know. Yeah, that's completely separate from probably from at idle. Because if you're pointing down, hopefully it was at idle. Yeah, I wasn't wasn't running it too fast at that point, but still, yeah, it was still. it was running and powering itself down through the ground. Yeah. So, yeah, that was that was scary. Yeah, another scary moment for me. You know, we're talking about airplane crashes and things like that. So this hasn't been that long ago, 2012 ish, we'll say, was the. Uh, Seagull Nemesis. Remember that one? I love that. That was my plane. No, that one was. And I gave you the one that you crashed before that. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, actually, both of those airplanes are on my list. Oh. Yeah. So the Nemesis was the one that had the battery pack way back in the... That was the one I never got to see. Yeah. I I I wanted to see that one. Oh, it's not the same. Yeah. So, I mean, I was flying and, uh, you know, it was was kind of a racy... Airplane, you know, fast. Yeah, it was a very nice looking airplane. Um, yeah, and I had done a, I felt I had done a good job of, uh, you know, cutting the cowl perfectly around the engine. And the <laughs> engine was just, you know, just certain little bits of the engine, you know, peeking out, you know, around the cowl and uh, had taken my time with, you know, getting the covering. It was an ARF, but I went over the covering and made sure there was no sags or wrinkles. And Nobody likes sagging and wrinkling covering. No, I don't like sagging covering. Um, it doesn't fly as well either. No. And for me, it's, all, it's you know, it's got to look good. Yeah. So, but yeah, I uh, had spent all that time and kind of a, kind of a crappy design, if you ask me, the way Seagull had you install the battery in this thing. It had to go in the tail because there was so much weight in the front of the airplane. Yeah. Uh, and they gave you this little tiny little hatch with a spring-loaded pin that you used to open it and seemed secure enough to me. <laughs> Um, but anyway, yeah, high speed uh-huh. pass in front of the pits and I go to make a turn to bring it back and that little hatch flies off and out goes the battery. And you have and the scary, Yeah. And the scary feeling is, okay, now I've got a live airplane here with a, you know, a tank full of tank full of fuel and, um, nothing controlling it. Where yeah. is this thing going to go? It's not going to stop. Just and, watch it keep going. Yeah. And luckily it, uh, I mean, it was, a, it was wide open. I mean, I was, you know, I was, you know, doing the whole. You know, fast, low. That wasn't really low, but fast. You know, flybys because it looked cool. Yeah, and sounded I, cool. Yeah, and I had just initiated a turn. Thank goodness when the battery came out because it just continued that turn. You know, kind of a not a really hard left turn, but it was a a pretty steep left turn, and it eventually just turned and dove into the right on. It actually smacked just shy of the runway on the in the in the cornfield. Now that was a a Sado, right? No, that was a Thunder Tiger Pro 46 two-stroke. Yeah. And that's not the one. Was that the one that came off of the the edge? Okay, I was going to say mm-hmm. the edge that you got off of me was Yeah, a, that had the Sato, Sato 70 or 65. I forget what was on that one. but I don't know why I thought you put that one in that airplane. Mm-hmm. No, it was a two-stroke because I wanted the speed. I, thought I wanted the high RPM so I could... You know. That was the replacement one for that one, though, wasn't it? The Nemesis was supposed to replace the edge? It did, yeah. Okay. Because I, I crashed the edge <laughs> while I was at tech school. Yeah. So and this, that's, I think that's why I thought you just put all the electronics straight into the new airplane. I, the electronics minus the receiver, yes. But I, I had a different engine for the Nemesis because I wanted it to go fast. Oh, okay. So, but yeah, the, uh, 
yeah, battery came out in the flight and then you've got, you know, there you go. That feeling in the pit of my stomach is like, oh, where's it going to go? And luckily it didn't go anywhere except down into the, onto the field. <laughs> had I, had that battery come out while it was straight and level, who knows? I mean, that thing may be in the bottom of the lake. I mean, we have what? a lake not too far from the field and man, that thing was moving out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, four states over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Finally, you know, and I had a big tank. I think I had to put a ten ounce in there for a forty six. That's a lot of fuel. <laughs> wow. Well, I remember one of the times we were out in the field, and I had uh, this is with the yak also, and it might have been that same day. I don't remember, but anyway. So as I was starting it up, you know, you have to have somebody hold an airplane that big, yep. um, just to make sure. Oh yeah, you can't do that by yourself. That's yeah. a big airplane, and as soon as the and very dangerous. <laughs> yeah, and as soon as it's idling, it's moving. Yeah, it's it's got pull even when yeah. it's at its lowest speed. But anyway, so there was somebody out there, and, and I was getting ready to turn it over, and they're like, well, let me hold it for you. And I, I explained to him, I was like, look, this has a lot of pull when I run it up to full throttle, you know, to clear it out and stuff. Oh, I've had I had a lot of experience with big planes. I, I've got it. Don't worry <laughs> about it. You know, I, I'm okay. Okay. So I guess stupidly on my part, I was like, sure, I don't know you. Come over here and do this for me. You know, <laughs> here, this, help is, me out. this is when I was first getting into the hobby and stuff and didn't really know uh, the ins and outs of what to expect out of somebody else. Um, so I got it started up and idling just fine. And I warned him. I was like, all right, I'm going to run it up and, and you know, brace yourself. It's going to pull hard. I, I'm okay. It's okay. So I did it, and as soon as it got to full throttle, it pulled them off of balance, mm-hmm. and they fell onto the turtle deck oh. and just kind of off to the side. Oh, um, and so I put it, you know, it's down. A good thing to they idle. didn't fall into the prop. You can't. Well, that's a big airplane. I mean, yes. Yeah, even still, if, though, even if you like laid down on it, I don't think you could reach the front. That's scary. Yeah. I mean. It, yeah, it really could have messed up the airplane. Having somebody fall over your nice 42 or whatever percent airplane, it, that's kind of scary. Yeah. So that's the last pers- or last time I let somebody I didn't know and trust help me out with that yeah, plane. Yeah, lots of things can go wrong in that scenario. Yeah. So that was scenario, scary. If you're, you know, proper. What? Some people say scenario. What did you say? I said scenario. Oh. I don't know which is more proper, but... I feel like people who say scenario are snooty, maybe. Oh, oh God. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's scary. Actually, yeah. And that is scary because you know, I have the, the weird perceptions we have of how people pronounce words. It's funny to me. <laughs> and you got off topic. I did. Sorry. I do that from time to time. I tell you what's not off topic is my other scary story here. I was going to say, at your age, I'm proud that you can stay this focused for this long. Well, I, you know, I am somewhat of a busybody. I can't I have a hard time sitting still and staying focused. So, so the other airplane, the one that preceded the Nemesis, the one that I got from you, had an orange receiver in it, mm-hmm. which is... I don't know if you have any experience with orange receivers. I do. I've never had a problem with one. Yeah. My only experience with an orange receiver was with, unfortunately, the demise of this airplane. <laughs> See, another Seagull product. This one, good good, good design, good flying airplane. Um, but yeah, the orange receiver locked up in flight and and then here we go. You know, Tommy's along for the ride. Where is it going to go? That was the, the 40 size uh, 540, right? Yeah. And that had the Sado four-stroke on it. Which yeah. I really do miss that plane. I would love to have another one yeah. with, a, with another, that same combination. I did a good job putting that together. You did. Except yeah. for the cuts were not nearly as well as yours. I was just like, okay, this motor has to fit in there. 
I don't care if it's got an inch and a half around the whole thing. It's going to be inside. Yeah, but it's the way it flew <laughs> made up for the the lack of uh, you know, <laughs> the lack of the lack prettiness, of fit and finish uh, uh, on the on the parts. But yeah, that was a that's scary when you don't have control of them. Yeah, and you is. don't know where they're going. The other thing that's scary though, which is surprising. Last time when we were out and Cody was flying with you and you were mm-hmm. doing the buddy box, yeah, that really scared me. Yeah, you mentioned that on the on the episode we talked about it. I don't know why, but I just like going into it. I was just like, okay, you know, I don't care if this plane crashes; it means nothing to me. It's fine. And then you guys get up there, and I'm like, oh, I can't watch. It's just it's the weirdest thing. I don't ever. understand I, that. I don't either. Like I really do not mind. I almost would be better off if that plane was not. Like still here because then I'd have more room for something else. But like just watching him and maybe that was it too. Maybe I was more concerned that I didn't want him to crash and then get discouraged. Yeah, I could see that. But you guys got pretty close a couple times and well, you know, like I like I said in the uh in the you know, training a training a pilot. Was that what the topic was? I forget what exactly. But anyway, what I like what I said there was trainer. Yeah. you have to you know, you have to let them get in those situations so that they can recover from them. That's how they learn. Well, and, you know, as the driver or the, the pilot that you are, it's not scary for you because you're in control. You know right, what you can right. do. Yeah. Outsider looking in, I'm sure. Yeah. Me standing over your shoulders going, well, what, what? Oh, I can't watch. You know, that's <laughs> completely different. But yeah, I, okay. I get it. I get it. Uh, finally, the last one for me is, uh, uh, so I'm going to date myself again uh, on the show. <laughs> so there used to be a time where, you know, we had to fly airplanes with radios that weren't. 2.4 gigahertz, right? Yeah. So AM radios I'm talking about back yeah. back in the day. Way back uh, when. Actually, I, not, not that long ago, by the way, because when I first got into airplanes, I still had cars that were on AM radio. Well, that's true. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you, can, you can still get AM radios, I think, in, in cars, I think. Some of the some of the lower entry-level cars, well, I think, sure, can maybe. still get AM radios. But anyway, uh, we used to fly airplanes with these scary things. And uh, we had a phenomenon that I used to call ghost plane. So it was, it was feasible. It was, it was more than feasible. It was likely that if you had two pilots at the field with the same frequency and they both had a transmitter on, they could both have some degree of control of the airplane that has the same receiver uh, with that channel. Yeah. So it wasn't really an uncommon thing to happen back in the day, especially at a larger event, you know, where there's maybe a lot of pilots and maybe the the control, the you know, the frequency control board maybe not in use as much as it should be. Uh, it was totally possible that somebody would turn a transmitter on in the pits that was on your channel while you were flying. And then next thing you know, you've got an airplane that you're <laughs> half in control of. So there's a See? scary thought. I mean... You know, when you're out there flying and your airplane does something <laughs> weird and then even more scary is it comes back and it ha- you have control of it again and you can't explain. Well, I mean, usually you could explain, hey, you know, you're yelling in the pits, somebody's on channel 72 or whatever. Um, but that was that was always scary when that happened. And it happened frequently. Depending on who was flying, I'd just be like getting on the same channel and just turn it on. Turn it off. Yeah, <laughs> turn that- it on, do loop, turn it off. <laughs> Yeah. That's not very funny. Oh, it depends. Depends who you're doing it to. <laughs> you well, know, if, if you, you know what I mean. Me, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I do. I do. But anyway, that was always scary because you never, uh, you, know, you know, you'd be yelling and screaming, hey, somebody's on my frequency or whatever. And then everybody in the pits would be like, 
you know, kind of doing the whole turn their radio off while they're <laughs> looking me, the other right? I, don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, mine's been off the whole time, but then, you know. <laughs> yeah, we, you know, we really are, are spoiled now with just how far things have come and we don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. Like Not really. We used to. Yeah. Yeah. So, and how did that work? Like if somebody did that, like they turned on mm-hmm. their radio, was it just kind of like who is closer to it? It would take the signal from, or was it? Well, I don't know the details, but like I knew if I was flying and I lost control of my airplane um, without any prior kind of uh, warning signs, like if you're having radio issues, usually you'll have warning signs from the time you turn everything on. But if you turn everything on and you get your airplane started up and everything's fine and then you're halfway through your flight and all of a sudden your airplane's doing weird stuff, you know somebody's got, you know, got a radio on. Yeah. Um, and I think probably, yeah, whoever's closer probably gets more control, probably. Huh. Um, but, I mean, it's relative, right? So if the airplane's yeah. out there 400 feet away, you know, maybe maybe you're 50 feet high and a 400 feet away, relatively speaking, the line from a transmitter further down the pits compared to your line is really not going to be that much different. Oh, so, wow. But, yeah, that was, that was always scary. <laughs> scary stories. <laughs> no, I remember when I was... Uh... When I was flying the uh, the Sandpiper, when I first did that one, so I know I told the story of how I how I crashed it the first time I flew it when I just I don't know why I, I threw it, put it on full throttle, and that, that thing just took off like a rocket. <laughs> and for some reason, my mind would not even think about turning the throttle down. Like I'm just trying to control <laughs> this thing, forgetting about throttle. I love this story. Well, the part that I didn't uh, tell before, you know, I, I said I crashed it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I left out the detail of I crashed it in my neighbor's yard. Oh, yeah. You didn't mention that. No, no, no. I purposefully left that part out. Um, <laughs> so I lawn darted it. And that thing started off at, what, 30 inches long. And I think by the time so I was done. So is this like a, a scary story episode or a confessions of things <laughs> you have done that I shouldn't have done episode? I feel like we're doing both here. <laughs> a little bit of both is fine. Uh, and that's what's scary is that, you know, we ha- we've not learned from our mistakes at times, well, I guess. Oh, you know, yeah. Um, but anyway, so... You know, I'm standing there flying it, and then it goes behind the tree lines, and then all of a sudden you just hear this oh, loud, yeah. like, crash. And Less I couldn't sound. tell what it, what it hit. It sounded like it hit something metallic. Ooh. And so I was, you know, I know they have a, an outbuilding and sheds and all that kind of stuff. And if we go over to our next neighbor, um, they have cows, which has the outbuildings and sheds. So I'm like, what, what did I just hit? You know, I was not too, uh, too excited to go look at that. Um, but luckily, I don't know what made the noise because it, it landed like it missed a couple trees or it might hit the trees coming down. I really don't know. And just went <laughs> right through them um, and missed their pond by about 50 feet oh. and then just right like in the center of their yard. Oh. So luckily, you know, it was scary because I had no clue where it was mm-hmm. going and it was going over. You, you just stick, go, you know, yeah. you just saw it go over the trees and then disappeared. Um, but that thing started out at about 30 inches and I think it ended up about half as long. Yeah. Yeah, because it probably, you know, went in at full throttle because we never did back off <laughs> it the did. I never thought about going back. <laughs> I think I lucked out because after it hit the battery, like, ended up five or six feet away, so it oh, unplugged yeah. itself. And oh, then, yeah. you know, it stopped then because well, there's sure. nothing about no it. No more but power. That was, uh, yeah. Like I said, that that was probably the worst time I've ever had flying here. Well, for sure, that's the worst time I ever had flying here. Yeah. Oh, here at the house. Here at the yeah. house, yeah. So, I don't know. The time I crashed your little pizza box airplane, that wasn't... That wasn't up there? That wasn't at the house. I thought that was here. No, that was out at the field. 
Oh. And that was Signal. Oh, that's right. So I don't right. blame you. Yeah, that's Even right. though that was a, a Spectrum receiver. Yeah, yeah, I know. I love that thing. Yeah, that was a cool airplane. For for being a square. I mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that that's really all I've got for... Yeah, so confessions. For all those. Scary moments. And what else should we call this episode? <laughs> <laughs> Learn from yeah. our mistakes. You know, we're going to have to do another episode of funny airplane stories because I feel like a lot of these also fall into that category. <laughs> well, we just did it then. Oh, there you go. <laughs> the funny, scary confessions of an RC pilot episode. Yeah. There you go. So we have a, a couple of voicemails. You want to get to them? Yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's hear some other scary stories. Hold on. We're going to start off with Reggie. Oh, he wonderful. He actually called in and uh, and left a voicemail. And uh, let's see what he has to say. Hopefully everybody remembers Reggie yeah. from our previous episode. We if not, had him on. Yeah, if not, go listen to him. He was our, our first guest. Yeah. I think my scariest moment in RC flying was when I was flying my Viper jet at a truck stop in a place out in, I believe, Wyoming. Of course, usual, not supposed to be flying where I'm supposed to be flying at. I decided to take off anyway and was enjoying a really nice, relatively good day. But my biggest fear was a bunch of trucks eventually coming in near the end cycle of my battery. In which case, is exactly what happened. After several approaches and not being able to land, uh, I just finally gave up on the approach that I was normally going for, my takeoff and landing approach that I had to begin with, and decided to go for a different approach. What I didn't realize was the wind had picked up, and now there's vehicles in the back of the lot. And on top of that, the lot was in, it went straight across, and then it did a 45-degree angle to the right. In which case, with the park trucks and moving vehicles, I could not see around that corner. Oh, as I came in, flashed down, I was flying now with the wind. The plane wasn't slowing down in any kind of way. And I found myself to be in a full-out run with the controller in my hand trying to see where the plane was going. <laughs> Only to also notice that there a car had came into the parking lot and was going around that same corner. Watching you run for the At one point, yeah. the jet and the car were only three feet apart and literally going the same direction at the same speed. <laughs> it was by the grace of God I actually got the plane down, landed it, and pulled it into a parking spot beside a camper that literally just pulled in. <laughs> that was probably my scariest of all days on a jet that was flawless, nothing wrong with it, in an area that I shouldn't have been flying and had so many potential vehicles to hit. Landed it, parked it, and needed to say, I called it a day. <laughs> Yeah. Leave it to yeah. Reggie, Leave right? It to, to Reggie. I mean, <laughs> again, confessions of an RC pilot episode. I mean, a lot of things he did wrong in that uh in that uh, scenario or scenario. Um <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I just have this this image of a of a person in the car driving along and then looking out the window and three feet away seeing this Viper airplane. It's like, holy crap, what's that? <laughs> I just have the the picture of him running, running with, with his the transmitter stuff and the person in the car going, why is that guy is running that guy after running? me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, scary slash funny. Yeah, yeah, either way, it's entertaining. Either way, it's entertainment. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next one. Um, he actually said that he doesn't want his last name played, so you're going to hear it bleeped out, <laughs> <laughs> which is okay. You know, yeah, that's, that's part of it. Yep. Uh, but let's listen to what Bob has to say. Okay. Yeah, Bob. 
I was calling to share my scariest encounter with an RC plane. Uh, my first year of flying, I was out at the field. All the tables were full, several people. I started my S540 on the table. My controller was across the other side of the table. All of a sudden, the motor goes full throttle. As I'm holding the top of the plane, I reach for my controller. Oh, and no. the prop hit my arm three times. Oh. Uh. Uh. 69 stitches later... Oh. Uh, no one at the field wanted to take me to the hospital. We had to call an ambulance because of the blood. Oh, my gosh. So we put a tourniquet on it, called the ambulance, and off to the hospital I went. I got oh to the hospital. I explained to the doctor what had happened. Yeah. And he said that his father was an RC pilot as well. <laughs> what are the so odds? So he understood. Where I was coming from. Oh. <laughs> Ow. So I think that, there, uh, Be careful that you don't stick your arm across for a running prop, because <laughs> it will definitely do some that's... damage. Yeah, thanks, Bob. That's really good advice. That is, uh, oh. Uh, I think that, I think scary. that might be the scariest That's uh, the scariest story. I've heard so far. 60, do you say 69 stitches? I think he said 69 stitches. That's ridiculous. I mean, all things considered a good number of stitches, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, oh my gosh. Oh, I don't do blood and guts very well. No, you don't. So if you, if yeah. I was out of the field and that you happened. You get fairly squeamish around blood. I think fairly is a, an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was trying to be nice. <laughs> yeah, if that, and oh. snakes. If, oh, snakes are just bad, but at least you have the, the spider thing. So. I, yeah, but and I, there, you know. There are spiders all over for Halloween. <laughs> well, that's true. There, there are. Oh, um, God, yeah, that's terrible. So, yeah, ow, that si stitches and a ride to the hospital. Yeah, that, I think that uh, that's scary. That <laughs> certainly qualifies uh, as being, that's up there. That's one of the scariest I've heard. Oh, poor Bob. Ouch. Uh, let's go to the next one from, uh, from Steve in California. Hello, Ron and Tom. Steve Hirsch, Placerville, California. Um, Tom, you're not old. You're only 50. You're just young. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Don't listen to Ron. Liar. <laughs> All right. My scariest airplane story was back 35 years ago when I first started flying. I had a Goldberg Eaglet, maybe second time I ever flew it out of the soccer field. Uh, across a wash from there was a Little League game going on, and I got out of sorts, and my plane was over the Little League and started to <laughs> dive at the pitcher, and I recovered it just in time to fly it back over to the soccer field and land and go home. And I didn't go fly for a couple of days. It scared the crap yeah. out of me. Yeah. So that's my scary story. I almost landed in a Little League game or crashed in a Little League game little on league my game. second ever flight with a Goldberg Eaglet. Oh, wow. That's all I got. Love the show. Thanks a lot for putting it on. Keep doing it every week. You guys do a great job. You have great chemistry. <laughs> and Why, we'll thanks. talk to you later. All right. Uh, well, well, thanks, thanks, Steve. Yeah, appreciate the uh, story. That's I call awesome. Those, I call those knee knocker moments because you get so scared <laughs> that your knees start shaking and knocking together. Yeah, and yeah. you're not sure what's going to happen next. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that would be scary. Yeah, to crash in the middle of a little league game. Can you imagine being the pilot, just like or the uh, the pitcher, just sitting there getting ready to yeah. throw what out a pitch? And, what is going on? Yeah. Why am I getting dive bombed? Yeah, I think at that point I, I just leave the airplane. 
I don't even, I don't even go for it. I'm just like, okay, I'm going to get my car and get out of here. Well, you can't do that if you have your name and, and contact information well, like you're true, supposed they'll, to. They'll come after you, won't they? <laughs> hmm. All right. The next one we have uh, our friends over at the uh, Aviation RC Noob podcast. If you're okay. not familiar with them, you should be. They're another uh, a good quality podcast that talks about uh, RC airplanes, but they cover more of the uh, the foamy side of things. So they talk a lot about flight tests and and building foam type airplanes. So uh, let's see what Joe has to say. Hey, Ron. Hey, Tom. Uh, this is Joe. You had asked us for uh, scary flight stories, and so far. Uh, this one is the scariest that I have. I've not been in the hobby very long, so I don't have a whole lot to pull from. It's uh, <laughs> okay. I'll You'll preface this by saying <laughs> that I work with the foamies, which is to say Dollar Tree foam board and the electric motors that go uh, with those type planes. Uh, this was my Spitfire build. I had taken it out with a buddy. It was flying and... Turned out I had gotten uh, considerably further away from us than I thought we were. <laughs> um, That's common. Sometimes when you're at altitude and you're flying around, it's hard to gauge distance. Uh, but somehow or another, I think I picked up some interference from nearby Wi-Fi networks. As it turns out that the distance I was flying at, I was actually flying over a neighborhood that was out by the school we were flying at. <laughs> oh. And... I lost signal to the plane, and it just went dead. Fortunately, the uh, the fail state, I, I suppose, fortunately, was to just cut everything to zero, no motor, no servos. Yeah. And so it went down, but it went down in a neighborhood. Oh, dear. Um, and so that is I had scary. to then go looking for it. And the whole time that I was searching for it, I was just terrified that I had hit somebody, hit somebody's vehicle, landed on somebody's roof, like had it come down in their backyard and hit a window or oh. any number of things. Yeah. So it was just this sinking that is a sinking sinking in my feeling. stomach as I'm searching for this this plane and I'm having to weave between yards. It's an area that had a bunch of privacy fences. So I was just going and looking, trying to find it, terrified of the damage and the harm that could have been done um, is not something I'm proud of, but I did recover it. it turned out there was, uh, to my knowledge, no damage. I had found it. Uh, apparently, it smashed up against the back of somebody's privacy fence, snapped uh -huh. the plane in half. That's lucky. Uh, and that seemed to be the extent of the damage. Thank you. But goodness. it's certainly one of those situations that I learned from to say <laughs> you're further out than you think you are and be mindful of what you're flying over yeah. and around as apparently, now I know, uh, Wi-Fi signals can interfere with your transmitters and receivers. Yeah. Uh, would not have known, would not have guessed it at the time, but since Wi-Fi primarily runs at the 2.4 and the 5 and my transmitter runs on 2.4 gigahertz. Yep. I'm thinking that's what led to it. Yeah. That is scary. <laughs> I mean, it, crashing an airplane is or losing control of an airplane is scary enough. But yeah. when you don't know, like especially if you know you're going into potentially a residential area, not knowing what it's going to crash into, is it just adds to the 
to the level of scary. Yeah, it makes that time between when it crashes and when you find it just like draw out oh, yeah. so long. It's yeah. Oh, oh that's yeah. the that's the, the, the worst. Dread. Of, yeah. of, you know, fearing the worst, you know, because <laughs> you, you just know you've, you put out somebody's window or crashed into somebody's car or heaven forbid hit somebody with it. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty scary. That, yeah. I, like I said, I understand his, yeah. uh, I understand that feeling completely with yeah. the sandpiper and where it landed. So yeah, I, I guess the only thing that I would have had that was a little bit more lucky is I know the people. I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, your neighbors. Yeah. Um, luckily I, I've not had. Knock on wood. I was gonna say, hurry up. There you go. Uh, knock on wood. I've not, I've not ever lost sight of one that's crashed. Like every airplane I've crashed, I've gotten the joy of being able to see it where it crashed. <laughs> well, I still remember the one. I'll, I'll, I'll probably get in trouble for saying this, but when Reggie was out flying his Alpha Forty, and he kind of had some problems with that one, it was doing loops and he couldn't quite get it back in. That one ended up. We we found it. Oh. Yeah, we yeah. found it, but I think that ended up being like what two miles away. It was something. It was really so. It was at the field, right? Yeah, it was at the field. It was where it started at the field. <laughs> well, right, but I mean, yeah, I remember where you guys or where was yeah, it Reggie that found it, or did somebody call him? No, we remember. had he had to go try and find it while we, while I stayed where we were flying because I had an idea exactly okay. where it went. And then, yeah, no, maybe it wasn't quite two miles. It, it was, was over a mile. It was over a mile because yeah. we did I, check that. Because I remember where they, you guys said you found it. Because it was he a, said he found it. It was a mile from where we were to the next road over. Yeah. And, and it, it was, was past, past that, road. that road. Yeah. It was in that corner, that bean field across the road. I forget the name of that road. But yeah, that's a, that road is a mile because that's how they're laid out in that. Which, by the way, that was right next to a few houses there too that you really could have. Yeah, there's houses over there. He actually was past houses. Jeez. But uh, yeah, so I had to stand where he was flying from, and then when he got out there, he had no clue exactly know where it was because your perspective changes. And I on the phone, sure, it's like, no, you need to come a little farther forward, and you could just see his car moving. And yeah, it was not not a lot of fun. Oh man, scary stuff. That's scary. All right, last one. Let's go to Matt from the Aviation RC Noob podcast. This is Matt Allen. When I think of the scary stories that I've had in RC so far, I think the one that kind of stands out and has me coming back, and it's one I caught on film, uh, was my maiden flight of a twin engine. It's actually a three-engine fantasy build. It's uh, the Ushakov LPL Flying Submarine. It's a World War II concept plane that never really got past the design stage. I think the owner uh, or the designer had been removed by his competition in the days, uh, early days of Stalin and the paranoid era there. Anyway, so I built this plane. It's got a main engine and two um, nacelle engines somewhere out on the wings. Uh, which kind of coincide with the pontoons. It's a boat that's designed to sink uh, below the water level um, and then, you know, basically shoot a torpedo and then hang low until something, until they pass, then get up out of the water and fly to the next spot beyond where they can see. Why? I've never heard of that. line up for a second that's really shot. interesting. I got to look really that up. Really cool concept yeah. plane. I built it. It looks exactly like I wanted it to look super excited. I get the motors on there and all this <laughs> stuff. And it's it's late. It's uh, kind of like this time of year, near October, I think. 
Um, so it's getting dark at about the oh, time no. you get home from work <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. So I, I was desperate to make it. I can't wait. Oh, so excited. So I take it. I put it up middle throttle. I'm feeling the plane. Everything seems to be pretty good. I've got it's a, an eight inch prop in the center. Or is it the 10 inch and like two five inches on either side? So there's a significant amount of thrust in this. <clears throat> there's no good place on the bottom of the plane to grab hold of it because it's a like it looks almost like a manta ray. So I put it on my palm, hanging out at about head level. Oh. And I turn it up. I kind of hear how everything's going. Everything sounds about right. Uh, nothing's turning or twisting. Everything's cool. And so just as I'm about to launch, I you know, bring it up to throttle about 85, 90%. And all of a sudden, uh, it starts twirling in my hand. Now, this thing's <laughs> at head level. It's about a three-foot plane by a three-foot plane. So three-foot wingspan. That's a big wing, plane. Three-foot tip to tail. And this thing's spinning on my palm. jeez. Oh, <laughs> all the props are going at full speed. And I'm trying not to, like, have it cut oh, my no. arm or anything like or that. Or my head, for that matter. <laughs> I've got long hair. Last thing I want to do is get my hair caught in there. jeez. Oh, uh, oh. And I kind of freak out because I didn't know what to do. I was not <laughs> expecting it. It started yeah. twirling. And so I hucked it uh, as best I could, which really wasn't very far considering. But boy, oh, boy, I just, like, kind of huffed it into the air. And I just <laughs> kind of got out of the way as best I could. It scared the crud out of me. Turns out... The left prop was pushing, and the right prop was pulling. So it's perfect for creating a top. Oh yeah! Oh my God! Scariest thing I had ever dealt with. Now I always make sure to double check yeah, yeah. that They're each of the, the props right is going the right direction. Uh, I was originally kind of setting it up for a contra rotating, um, but uh, anyway, that's my scariest story. Caught yeah. on film. You can look it up. It's second mark, I think. Oh, we gotta watch this. On yeah. The maiden of the LPL Ushakov flying submarine uh, from the fantasy uh, it's a fantasy design build challenge from flight test forums um, anyway that's my story awesome that's a good one three electric motors whizzing inches <laughs> from your face two going the right way one going the wrong that way that is scary <laughs> it's oh. a wonder you didn't come away with that with stitches that's that's awesome though. Yeah. That's that's a scary story. Yeah, that's that's been fun though. This was a fun episode. I enjoyed talking about all the all the things that have happened. But I, I think too. one thing we did learn is a lot of stuff happens. Yeah. And you just have to be careful. Yeah. I mean there you can get bitten a lot in this hobby and you don't yeah. realize it. Yeah, I mean some of the some of the scary stories that uh, that I talk about are are certainly um preventable. Yeah. You know, like well, I a, think they a proper are pre-flight with the case of the, you know, the duelist, but some stuff, sometimes stuff just happens. Like you never know when a receiver is going to just lock up with well, no warning. Yeah. And that to me, that is the scariest part of the hobby. Like I'm okay. And I've said it before, I'm okay making a mistake on my yeah. own because yeah. I can learn from it and not yeah. do that again. Yeah. But yeah, when it's something that you just, you cannot really <laughs> foresee happening, then that just, that kind of gets me every time. Yeah. Yep. But so, it's it's part of it. It is. So, hey, um, I wanted to touch on this. Um, somebody, uh, I posted the link. If you recall, uh, an episode or two ago, I talked about uh, that aerodynamics link. Oh yeah, and I, I did. I did finally get around to posting that onto the forums uh, last week. I think it was, and uh, somebody named Matt was nice enough to uh, 
um, to reply. Yeah, I, d- I don't want to get in the habit of, of reading forum posts. Yeah. Like, that's not my plan with this. Okay. But this one, I think, was really good. Yeah, it was and really I, good. I really uh, thought there was a lot of good information in it. So, yeah, I, I think yeah. it's a good idea to read it. Yeah, so if, it, if it's okay with you, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and read it here. Um, so, basically, Matt says, uh, hey, Tom, thanks for posting this article. And then he says, uh, eggheads always crack me up, uh, which I that, I found that funny, too, because <laughs> I'm kind of an egghead. Uh, he says, he goes on to say, I'm not a scientist or an aerodynamicist. Uh, I'm glad I was able to get that word out. <laughs> but I am an engineer and a former Air Force instructor pilot. So this guy's a winner in my book. Mm-hmm. Uh, go Air Force. Uh, and I knew at a very early age that lift was a combination of dynamic, thanks Uncle Newton, and aerodynamic, thanks Uncle Uncle Bernoulli, forces. At about age eight, I stuck my hand out the window of my family car going down the highway, angled it up slightly, and noticed my hand rise. I think we've all done that probably. Oh, absolutely. Uh, he, you know, he goes on to say that that's dynamic lift. He says, uh, at the same age as, um, at the same age as Tom, when he built his scratch built twin ducted fan RC Firefox, which I talked about in our last episode. Mm-hmm. Very cool. He says in parentheses. Wait, uh, hold on. I, got, I, I don't want to interrupt too much, but I did actually look that airplane up mm-hmm. like after and actually see what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't look anything at all like an SR-71. Right. So. Yeah. I thought we had already established that. Well, but. I know, but I, I was, it looked like it to me, but now that I've actually seen the other views that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I got to backtrack on that one. It's okay. That's my it's bad. Okay. Um, <laughs> so anyway, he says, uh, uh, twin ducted fan RC Firefox, and then I'll reiterate in parentheses, he says, it's very cool. <laughs> Um, he says, I built a wind tunnel in my basement. So he built a wind tunnel in his basement about the same age I tried to uh, build the Firefox. Uh, he says he tested a Clark Y airfoil with pressure ports placed along the upper and lower surfaces connected to manometers uh, and proved the existence of aerodynamic lift. That's impressive to me. <laughs> the guy built a, you know, a wind tunnel and, you know. Anyway. 12 years old. Yeah. yeah. And he demonstrated demonstrated the difference between pressure upper and lower. So yeah, that's impressive to me. (laughs) Um, So the discussion of these two forms of lift have been around a long time. And he says both are true and neither negates the other. Uh, And he says... Neither what? Negates. Negates? Or negates. I don't know. Negates? You know, back to the whole pronunciation, you know, of words, right? Uh, (laughs) So here is a mind bender for you. He says thrust can also be lift. He says, uh, on the podcast, Tom stated that uh, a traditional airfoil can fly upside down. And then Ron commented that it required a lot of power. He says, both of those are correct. Thank you. Thank you. A traditional airfoil can fly inverted, but it is very inefficient. The coefficient of lift is very low and only flies at a very high angle of attack or high alpha. Um, At high alphas, the dynamic form of lift becomes much more pronounced and the aerodynamic component is greatly lessened. A high alpha airfoil also produces a tremendous amount of aerodynamic drag. Uh, Both of these factors create the need for a lot of power. Uh, But high power at high alpha creates lift. Remember that lift is a force opposing gravity. So a force moving, you know, in the opposite direction of gravity. So when the thrust line is pointed down below the horizon, a portion of the thrust vector is vertical and thus opposing gravity, i.e. lift. So that's an interesting concept. Yeah, I like the way that was put. Yeah. And then uh, he says, uh, one last quick thought before his caffeine buzz wears off. Uh, I believe one of the main reasons, and I like, this is like, this one little paragraph here is my favorite of his whole reply. (laughs) 
because I mentioned this before. Uh, he says he believes one of the main reasons model airplanes behave differently than their full-scale counterparts is that dynamic lift plays a much larger role in a model. Now we're talking about the, the Newton's law, not Bernoulli's, right? Uh, flight as a percentage of total lift when compared to full-size aircraft. Wing loading and power-to-weight ratio are other large factors. But aerodynamic forces do not scale well due to fluid dynamics. Not going to get into that, but he, he sums it up perfectly here. He says, we can shrink all the components of an airplane to make a model plane, but we can't shink or scale the atmosphere. And that's perfect. Yeah, it's a great way that, to look that at is it. Like, and then he goes on to say, uh, it's the same for both model and full size. Something to do with Reynolds numbers. And I believe that's exactly what I said quite a few episodes ago. Um, he says, but that gets complicated. And it does. And he says, thoughts. Uh, he says, thanks for starting the conversation. You're welcome. And Matt, I appreciate your reply. And man, I've been trying to find easy ways to sum up why model airplanes don't fly the way big airplanes do. And that one sentence, man, you you got it perfect. Uh, we, I'm going to read it again. We can shrink all the components <laughs> of an airplane to make a model plane, but we can't shrink or scale the atmosphere. Perfect. I mean, that like that is exactly how I would try to word that if I could come up with the words on my own. So I, one thing I love about this is, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in always surround yourself with people smarter than you yeah, right? because it's, you can always learn something and you oh, know, yeah. I'm like a sponge with things. Like I, I really understand why you're friends with me. Like it really makes sense <laughs> to me now. Really? <laughs> I thought that was why you keep me around. Oh, well, hmm. then we're good for each other. Huh. We're both no. smarter than the other? That can't, that's weird. Well, in certain ways, actually, I would agree yeah. with that. Well, you know, if I, you think hey, about listen, it. Listen, I give you credit yeah. where it's due. But no, I mean, like I said, though, I, I just, I it's love. Just not very often. I love listening to smart people talk. Yeah. And it really helps me understand the concepts better when you hear different people explain it in their own words. Because mm -hmm. you might not understand, like, for instance, if you tried to explain it, I might not understand it. But the way yeah. this is written, yeah. I can understand it. Right. You know, it just depends yeah. on that. And he I does. Just, yeah. He does a very good uh, job of choosing I, yeah. the correct words. And yeah, I, something I'm not very good at. Always hang out with people smarter than Smart, you. Smart. Yeah. So, yeah, again, Matt, thanks for uh, taking the time to, to put that on the forums. I appreciate that. And I'll actually, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm going to like from <laughs> now on, if anybody, yeah, if anybody ever asked me, hey, why don't model airplanes fly like the big ones? Well. You can't scale the atmosphere. That, and that's, uh, that's perfect. And he wants your thoughts, so you need to respond. I did. I just gave him my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll write a reply. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> all right. Well, I, I don't think I have anything else for, for this. Do you? Uh, no, I think, uh, I think that's all I have. All right. Well, everybody, have a happy Halloween. Have a safe Halloween, everybody, have please. Have safe. When I have you guys listen to us next week, if we can. <laughs> oh, that's a terrible thing to well, say. Well, it's Halloween. Bad stuff oh. sometimes happens on Halloween. Oh, my God. Otherwise, it wouldn't be scary. Well, but it's fake scary. It's not no. supposed to be, like, really, like, scary. Okay. All oh. right, we'll talk to everybody next week, then. All right. Have a good night. <laughs> good night, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to the RC Plane Lab podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For topic suggestions, to ask questions, or to give any feedback, Connect with us at rcplanelab.com. You can also leave us a voicemail at 818-351-9846. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. Until next week, may your landings be gentle. <laughs>